Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX, 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon, Ken Miller. We're with you until noon. Appreciate you spending some of uh, that period of time here uh, with us. Kind of a weird day today. Not a lot to recap from last night other than a long home run derby, which I don't know how much time we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was entertaining in some respects, so we'll do a couple of minutes on that uh, as we bounce around here in the first segment of the program. But uh, when we get to the bottom of the hour, that's when the BMW of Des Moines guest list kicks in. And what we thought we would do certainly today and then again on Thursday is um, you know good a time as any to take one final check on the off season before NFL training camps open with some of the regionals. There are four of them. We'll do two of them today. Up first, Dane Mizzitani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, Minnesota Sports with Dane. He covers the Vikings, the Twins, the Wild. So he will join us at 10.30. At 11.05, since recruiting has been such a big topic, and since Trent and I, well, I won't speak for him, since I'm way over the tips of my skis when it comes to recruiting, we'll bring an expert in here. And the local one at that, Matthew Bain from the Des Moines Register. Amongst his duties at the Register is uh, recruiting. So we'll get Matthew Bain at 11.05. And then at 11.30, we did the Vikings at 10.30. We will do their rival, one of their NFC North rivals, the Bears. Uh, Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog will be here at 11.30 as we will um, catch up with him as we take you up until noon. So you had high school baseball last mm-hmm. night. Let's do that first of all. Start a little local if we can. What, yeah. Who did you see and what did you see? I uh, saw Urbandale take both sides of the doubleheader against Roosevelt. Urbandale number 8 in the final rankings. Roosevelt was just outside of it. They were number 11, if you will, mm-hmm. out of the top 10, the top receiving votes uh, category. Garrett Chris his name's Garrick, named after Lou Garrick. Figure he's probably going to be a good baseball player, right? Well, he's been playing for Urbandale since he's a freshman. He's going to Iowa next year to play baseball. Game one, he's not a pitcher when he goes to college. He's a position player, but okay. pitches in high school. Throws no hitter. Wow. Game two, That's all. it's two run home run. Not too bad. No. Garrick Christensen. Remember that name, Hawkeye fans. Because I know there's also a lot of talk about Brody Brecht, and we're going to get to that here. But uh, Christensen coming in next year, he's going to be good. So regular season, there's a couple of games out there for 4A today. I know Urbandale plays Norwalk and a few others. But for the most part, we're set. We're ready for Friday night. That's when sub-state play will begin. And I love the way that baseball has this set up with the sub-states in 4A. I think it's a huge advantage that they put in there. So instead of having six teams as what comprises each sub-state, instead of in a normal bracket, you would have you know the one and two seeds get buys mm-hmm. into the semifinal. You go from there. Instead, the one seed plays the six seed, two versus five, three versus four. Then in the next round, the top remaining seed gets a bye to the championship I like it. of the sub-state. So it makes the regular season very important mm-hmm. to get that number one seed. Even getting the two seed, that means you get to be at home 
for that second one. So it's going to be fun Friday night. Seed, you hope you win and the yep. six upsets the one and you get the day off. So I'm going to be at Valley. They got On Su- Friday. On Friday, yep. They have Sioux City West coming to town. That's a 3-4 matchup. Val- okay, I was just going to say. Yep. The, the so match. that one's probably the best one on mm-hmm. paper. Ames will be at Southeast Polk, another pretty good local one. Uh, that'll be on KASI, Dave Sprown Company. Yeah. I'll have the call for that one. Um, and a few of the other locals. I mean, we're looking at a lot of blowouts. Those 1-6 matchups mm-hmm. can go crazy. But you remember Des Moines East about seven years ago, how good of baseball teams they had. They got upset one of those years in the first round by Hoover, who was like 3-25. and 25. Wow. Yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. Southeast Polk got knocked off a couple of years ago by Marshalltown, who was a 6. It's baseball. In a one-and-done scenario, anything can happen. So that starts on Friday night. Semifinal round then on Monday of next week and Wednesday, the sub-state championship round before we get to the state tournament at Dwayne Banks Field. So you will have coverage Friday, Monday, Wednesday? Wednesday we'll be in Vegas, though, remember? Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. How so I? I don't think I'll be able to get a live stream and be able to call the game that way. I will be at the state tournament gotcha. though, the following week. Yeah. And uh, not as easy just hopping in the car and making the short trek down to Principal Park. Going to be some late nights on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, um, help me out with Vegas. Do we have um, our plans set as far as where we doing where we will be doing our shows? Yes. So, for people that missed it, Ken and I will be in Vegas next week. We leave Wednesday right after our show. Mm-hmm. We will be there for our shows, and we'll do them live both Thursday and Friday. Thursday, we're going to do it from the sports book at the South Point. That's nice. where we're staying. Yep. Uh, we'll talk to Chris Andrews and hopefully get him on. Also, I'm going to be out there for an AAU event, so a couple of kids with Beyond Ball I think are going to stop by along with John Lamb one of those days and talk with us a little bit about some really good prospects here in the state of Iowa. Then on Friday, we'll make our way over to the VEASAN studios, not the ones right there at the South Point, no, the new ones at Circa, Mm. Fremont Street, downtown Las Vegas, and we're going to be there on Friday doing our show from the VEASAN studio. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to it. Bouncing around to a couple of different places, get to meet some new people. And I've never been to the South Point book. I watched the show. I can't remember what it was called. The South, the Showtime special, that four parter Mm -hmm. on sports wagering. Uh, And it was really good. Uh, Two years ago, I think it came out. I can't like for the life of me. I can't think of it. I'm sure I could Google it. Yeah. Uh, But that's where that uh, show was uh, uh, was filmed at. Uh, so we'll have fun. That, that'll that be good. All right, so let's get to Brody back uh, for a second. Mm-hmm. And it's clear he is going to Iowa. Uh, it is clear that he did let teams know. So this is according to Tommy Birch's piece in the Register. And I believe Leah Van from the Gazette was actually, and I didn't read the, didn't read her piece. I just read the, twi- the Twitter that came along with it. Uh, she might have been there during... Uh, at least some part of the day yesterday. But I read Birchie's piece, and apparently Brody Brecht and his people made it known to major league teams that they had a price. And as the draft got closer, apparently that price that he would be willing to forego his dream of running out of the tunnel at Kinnick Stadium bumped up Mm -hmm. from whatever it was he now was asking for seven figures and didn't and wouldn't get specific what that seven figure means. I mean, it might be a million dollars. We that's might be three. It could be right, but there were no teams apparently that were willing to uh, to meet his price. Uh, again, it would have been one thing had the price stayed where it was, uh, but he thought that uh, you know what uh, we're getting too much bite. Maybe I'm underselling what I'm worth. Elevated a little bit. And he's going to go to Iowa and he's going to be there for three years, um, you know, to, to play baseball and to play football and to fulfill a dream. And you know what? 
who are we to criticize a personal choice, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to uh, criticize a play on the field or a coaching decision. It's another thing entirely to criticize um, a choice that uh, that someone is making um, that they feel is, is best for them. We can debate whether you would have done it or I would have done it, but they did it, and that's who it's about. So good for him uh, for doing that, and um, he's going to be a Hawkeye, which is which is really cool. Good for him. I decided that um, whatever he was asking for wasn't enough. He wanted more. Obviously, that was the most important of the two decisions. He could have taken the money. He could have taken the money and gone on and started his baseball career, but he's going to be a Hawkeye. He's going to be a Hawkeye, and he's going to fulfill his dream, and that is the biggest component Mm -hmm. to this. So, you know, a lot of people, and I think the part about this is also people were confused, and and people are confused about this process. How did he go in the first 10 rounds? I've heard so much about him. It was very simple. He basically, for a lot of teams, had the moniker as unsignable. Mm -hmm. And that's not a negative connotation. I know it sounds that way. sounds like, I don't know, he's aloof or a hothead. No, that's not what it is. It's just the number that it would take to sign him isn't worth it. The other thing, we hear 98 miles an hour, and he does, and I've seen it. It's incredible watching him pitch, (laughs) and when he gets in that groove, a young kid throwing 98 miles an hour. But he's a right-handed pitcher in high school. We know how long it takes these guys to get there. Here's a perfect example. guy that we saw with the Iowa Cubs and then get called up for the Chicago Cubs this year, Cole Stewart, mm-hmm. who I followed his career very closely. He was a top-five selection right, yeah. with the Twins. Texas fireballer, 98 miles an hour as a high schooler. Just the developmental time for a high school pitcher to realistically get to the major leagues. For every Roger Clemens or Kerry Wood, there are dozens of guys that take a lot longer mm-hmm. to develop. And some never get there. Right. And as great as Brody Brecht is, and I believe he has a ton of upside because he's never concentrated on baseball. Mm -hmm. He's always had football, other sports that have been involved, track. He's been a track athlete. He's never been just a baseball player. He's 6'4". We know how athletic he is. He can fix the mechanics and I think get even better there. And with all those things, I think the upside is through the roof. But will he ultimately get there? And when you're talking about signing for two, three, four million dollars, are teams willing to pay over slot? For a right-handed high school pitcher, very rarely anymore. Uh, so we shall see. Um, you know, just just how this turns out. There's the good news. He's in our backyard. We will be able to follow him as he makes his way to Iowa, plays football, and then once uh, football season is over and spring rolls around, and then we get another season of baseball under Coach Heller, we'll watch his development there. It's um, it's an amazing story. It truly is. I mean, a kid this gifted that has this opportunity uh, to go and play football in the Big Ten or to begin his professional baseball career and he passed up the money. Uh, that says a lot about where his heart is at and it's in Iowa City and that's where he is going to be. So Taylor uh, just checked in. He said he's uh, driving and going through a valley right now so he didn't want to cut out on the air but he asked well if he has a great year on the baseball field next year, can he be drafted? That's the difference here. Right. The way it's set up in collegiate baseball is if you go to a Division One program you are there for three years. There's no one and duns. There's no one and duns. Now, you can go the JUCO route, and that's why you see high-level mm-hmm. junior college baseball, because after one or two years of junior college baseball, you are draft eligible. But once you sign and start with a Division One program and enrollment clock ticks, you have to be there for three years before you're draft eligible again. You think we'll ever get there? I, I like the rule. Will we ever get there with the NBA? As far as keeping kids there, letting them go immediately, or if you do go to school. you got to be there at least a couple years. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably not. I don't don't think think we'll ever get to that. But I really do like the rule. 
It's are we dating or are we getting married here? Are, are you going to go play right. college baseball right. and are you going to actually have the college experience? Or are you going to go there? You're going to Kentucky for four months for all intents and right. purposes. And the NBA loves that trend. Let, yes. Let's be honest. Right. They, 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 this is a feeder system for the NBA. This right. is a training ground playing at Kentucky or a big name school if you're that good and you can move on. Uh, let's get Jeff in here. He wants to opine and we're certainly uh, glad that he is. Hello, Jeff. Welcome. Oh, I got to hit the bright button here, Jeff. Apologize. Uh, hello, Jeff. This is my first day. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you guys doing? Good. First, Trent, uh, I just got tickets to Foo Fighters down in St. Louis in oh. August. I just wanted to give that a shout-out. Rub it in. Theater. That's yeah, awesome. I know, I know we both like Foo Fighters, so I wanted to throw that out there, first of all. Need to get them in the state That's, of Iowa. That's what we need. I, I know it. Uh, second, guys, I don't know if our listeners know this, Um uh, our USA basketball team has lost two expedition games. Yep. And I get it. <laughs> you know, it's not the Olympics. But, you know, if you guys could rattle off three guys off Nigeria's <laughs> roster, I would be surprised. Yeah. Right. Okay? Yeah. You know, and, and then you lose to Australia. Now, that and, could happen. I mean, Australia no, jumps up every now and then. If Ben but, Simmons was on the team, yeah, good Ben well, Simmons, that would have made more sense, yeah. too. Here's the deal. They haven't lost two back-to-back games in the world, their expedition, or the Olympics since the 92 dream team. Mm-hmm. So that's a little alarming. Yep. Now, with that, here's the deal. And I know people love to compare Durant, LeBron to Jordan. Okay. If you tell me that it was Jordan and a bunch of other all-stars, there's no way they're losing this game ever. It's not close. Now, has has the overall world got better in basketball? Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. But here, let me give you the starting five, and it might not be the starting five, but it's my starting five. You have KD, supposedly the best player in the NBA, with Dame, Beal, Tatum, and Green. You can't tell me there's a <laughs> roster out there that could beat that five. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Now, if Trent could find the audio of Popovich after, <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, and you could tell Popovich, he's Annoyed, not annoyed with the. He's annoyed with the question, but he's annoyed that we've lost two in a row. And supposedly, he's one of the best coaches. Well, he is. Best. I mean, you still you don't think that the, that the shine is off of Popovich because they've lost two straight, do you? No, no, it, it hasn't lost the shine. But when you when you bring him up, when let's say they falter in the Olympics, mm-hmm. like when was the last time they fought? Wasn't it in two thousand? Wasn't it two thousand? I yeah. could be wrong. It was yes. the Sydney Olympics. Yep. Um. You know that's on his. That's on his watch. Yep, that part's true. I, I, and so it's just, uh, and I and I get it. They're, you know, I think all three of us would say they they're going to win gold. But to lose two straight to Nigeria and Australia, I just think is a little uh, alarming to me. So, and they play uh, again tonight, Trent? Do they not? Yeah, yeah Argentina. The Argentina. Okay. They were favored by seventeen and a half last night. Another outright loss after mm-hmm. being favored by twenty seven and a half against <laughs> Nigeria tonight. Also a seventeen and a half point favorite. I don't know. I know Manu Ginobili's not around anymore. I don't know who else is on Argentina, but there's no way I'm laying 17 and a half with this squad, Jeff. Not from what you've seen the first two nights, there's they just they're not playing the right basketball right now. Now again, when they get Booker and Middleton, I don't. I mean, what? I just don't know what's going to change. Are they out of shape, Jeff? Well, what I read with KD, KD said he he was ready to go. Now I can't speak on everybody else. Yeah, but KD was like, I'm ready to go. I feel 100. percent and all these good things. Now, I don't know what that line is in the last two games. But, again, when you have Kevin Durant, the best player in the world, you got to get it done. 
I don't know. Well, thanks for the call, Jeff. Uh, it's certainly, you know what it's doing? It's um, it's bringing this uh, team to the focus, to yes. the forefront. And was maybe, I don't know if I'll be watching it tonight. I probably won't be watching the All-Star game. But um, Might be the the choice, though, flipping yeah, back and forth. absolutely, right? I think that's where I'm going to be, too. I think so, too, just to see, I mean, can this possibly happen again? I don't get the, and I've seen a lot of Twitter, Popovich's overrated. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on. You really believe that when you tweeted that? A couple of guys cobbled together here that these teams play together. And the little bit that I saw of Australia, they pass the ball. Mm-hmm. They share. They play the game like teammates, mm-hmm. the guys that know each other. The when US they team get is... to Tokyo, Trent, and they, and they start faltering over there and, mm-hmm. and don't advance to the medal round. Then he got a little bit of a problem. But at the end of the day, let's get him to Tokyo. Exhibition games are just that, exhibition games. Mm-hmm. When you're working things out, trying to get the rest, trying to learn each other's uh, tendencies, whatever, trying to become a team before you get there. Uh, is it alarming that they've lost? Yes. Uh, especially when they're favored by 27 and, and 17, respectively. That's 44 combined points. And they lost. They didn't. It's not that they didn't cover. Right. They lost outright. Unbelievable. All right, so home run derby last night. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Uh, I said yesterday when we were talking to Matt Snyder, are we just overthinking this thing? Mm-hmm. Pete Alonso lives for this contest. He gets up for this contest, and he crushed this contest. And you know what? As good as he was, the guy that was throwing him the ball, Dave Jouse, I think is his name, Trent Grooving them right down the middle in his wheelhouse, time after time after time. And he's, and rightly so, getting a ton of accolades today for what he did. But it was entertaining. Yeah, give Soto full credit. So I didn't know the format. So when you're tied after the first round, do you know what happens then? The, the, whatever they call it, the, the playoff, the if play, you will. Yeah. You get three swings. Mm-hmm. And Soto's first one, boom, home run. Second, Home run. Third one, home run. And these are no doubt about it, home runs. So Otani comes up knowing that he's got three swings and each one of them has to clear the fence or he's eliminated. Well, he looked at the first pitch he didn't swing at. Second pitch he did and it was uh, hit on the ground somewhere. So Soto moves on and Otani is out earlier. Gallo got beat in yeah. the, in the first round um, by my dude Trevor Story. By right? your dude Trevor Story, and Trevor Story went first, and Gallo made it close at the end. I think in the end he was beaten by one. Uh, it got relatively close. Uh, what else was good in in the thing? Um, uh, how about the pitch from Soto's batting practice, dude? That looked like fifty cent and didn't even make. Oh, it. Oh yeah, that is, yeah went behind him, right? It right. slipped out of his hand. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that was. I don't think I've ever seen that one at Home Run Derby. I don't think I have either. I mean, you see bad pitches, but nothing like that. Yeah. That was next level stuff. Uh, now Alonso did get plunked by his pitching coach. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. the one that did get away from him. But it was for a Monday night, and mm-hmm. and what it is, there were some mammoth shots as you knew there were going to be. Um, Speaking of mammoth it was okay. shots. I uh, sat in yesterday with Chris yeah. for an hour, and of course, as happens when we talk to Chris, I'm sure you have the same thing. The conversation morphs into gambling, mm-hmm. and DraftKings had that prop up. Every one of the contestants yesterday, their over-under, or longest home run, Okay, and it was between 490, I think, for Sal Perez up to 505. Who, who had a real... You know what? Time. It's unfair that he got beat, right. Perez, because yeah. he hit a bunch and still lost. But anyways. So they had them all up there, and I knew. Obviously, it's a course. Mm-hmm. The balls are not in the, uh, not in in the, the humidor. Yeah. humidor, So it's going to fly out of there. But the numbers were so ridiculous that I just blindly bet everything under. 
all eight contestants under, thinking there's going to be a couple guys that have bad nights that mm-hmm. don't get there. I went two and six. Did you really? Two and six, <laughs> blindly betting the under on all eight contestants there. That was, I know it's coarse, but just seeing that was, and I'm trying to think back to the last All Star game there and the whole 1998. Under, and I just, I, I don't, don't remember it, it in, the I same, don't in the same fashion mm-hmm. that it was here. And we're talking about the home run derby happening in the home run chase of 1998. Mm-hmm. You would think that would be a big mm-hmm. deal and be yep. memorable. I, I don't no recall memories. it either. I, I will remember this one, though, because of just the sheer power, the 500-foot home runs, mm-hmm. the talk of 550 yep. that never came to fruition. But those kind of conversations, I will remember this home run derby because of that and Pete doing his thing for the second time too. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was when when Otani went out. I could see. Well, I, I you, they didn't show it, but I'm assuming that some of Coors Field started to empty out. Yeah, right? yeah. Because that's what they were. A lot of folks were there to to watch him, um, and it didn't happen. I mean, and good good for good for Soto. He put on a show. I mean, he put on a show. Uh, there's no doubt about it. it. Was it was it was it was an okay watch. You take it for what it's worth, right? It's an exhibition event. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to get too pumped up either way. And I'm sure you stuck around for the slow pitch softball game afterwards. Well, it was on the game took place on Sunday because I was watching the Twitter on Sunday about it. No, I didn't. No, no. What the, oh, I watched Swamp People. Swamp People. That's that's how you. That show. I know. Shoot a bunch of them. Shoot them. <laughs> Shoot him, Jacob. Uh, I'm, I'm the exact the same king way. of the swamp, Troy and, Landry. And my wife, if, whenever him. she walks in, I got that show, and she just rolls her eyes. Like, what are you watching? That is, a, man, I don't know why I'm so into that show, but I actually record them. You record it? Well, yes. you, you go even deeper than I do Well, there. I, I want to, you know, when I do have keep a up. swamp moment or swamp people Jones, I can, there they are. Ready to go. So I just had the slow pitch softball game on, mm-hmm. and I felt really, really old. Why? Oh, you know what? I just didn't know anybody. It's, it's funny you said that. I saw the introductions. At the end of Home Run Derby, <laughs> they were introducing their participants. They got to Todd Helton, and the streak was over. Everybody that was introduced ahead of that, and there mm-hmm. had to be, I don't know, eight or ten, I had no idea who they were. TV shows I've none. never heard of. Channels I've never heard of. Actors, actresses, influencers. Entertainers, right. No clue who many of the people right. were. I feel like I'm pretty up-to-date, and I try to stay at least somewhat up-to-date on pop culture. Mm-hmm. And here, just the last probably two years, I feel like I've completely dropped off. Yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> it's just looking at them, looking at Instagram right. and Twitter and influencers and TikTok and those kind of things, I'm feeling it. I'm old. Yeah, well, um, I, I'm with you, Trent. i it was at that point I turned to Swamp People. Swamp People. I'd never heard of these folks. All right, what I did find out yesterday is, sadly, because I'm rooting for my partner here, you are no longer leading the Bet Rivers NBA contest. You now reside in second place. I mean, it's close. It is. You're what, two bucks behind Smool? Ten bucks. Ten bet. bucks. He's behind? got 500, I got 490. All right, so it's it's still, obviously, there's... There's at least two games to go, and you've mm-hmm. got some work cut out, but... Um, Smool, who won the NCAA contest, mm-hmm. there could be two guys sharing all four trophies. Yeah, this isn't good. You guys are too good, and you're going to have to let the rest of us maybe have an opportunity. Well, you still got a big chance, but I'm so what did he do that he surpassed you? Well, the biggest thing that he does is he does a lot of live betting, mm-hmm. and I think, he, I think he's able to find some middling opportunities a lot better. That's something I, I wish 
I was more my strength because I try it. It usually doesn't come to pass. Mm-hmm. I tried it back in game two. I think I tried it again in game three and just live bets. Well, you bet. Yeah, you bet yeah. Phoenix in game three. Yeah, and, and got 14 and a half. And I think it was right after they cut it to seven. I was feeling great. Yeah. And then very quickly went back the other way. So the live betting component of it is something that across the board, I'd never have a good feel when I do the live betting. And I know a lot of people, well, we talked about this, I think, just last week. In England and in Europe, they don't hardly bet no. before the match, no. whatever the game, game is. It's in-game. Mm-hmm. They kind of get their footing and, all right, now I'm going to bet on They the call game. it over there in-run. In-run, yeah. right. And it hasn't caught on the same level, but that's what Small, I think, is very good at, is finding those opportunities in those moments. He also plays a lot of totals. And I think with totals in-game, I mean, you can get a pretty wide swath as a, a big run happens. You get a quick 11-2 run, and you can get those momentum kind of bursts out there, and you see the point spread change with it and jump aboard. So I'm going to have to do a little more calculating here. I was, after I hit my $200 bet, I was kind of just laying back, yeah, letting everybody else. Right. But now that he's passed me, it's not going to happen with 5 and $10 bets either. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be aggressive here going forward. Well, I think you are. You're now looking up at him, and we're certainly rooting for you to pull this one off. I mean, there's only going to be two of us at the Champions Dinner. Yeah, it's not going to be much of a dinner. (laughs) Just the two of us shooting the you-know-what and and, and chowing down. Well, he likes horse racing like you, so I think you guys will get a little Maybe we will settle it that way. We Uh shall see. Um, By the way, they they finally pushed me over the edge yesterday. I saw you tweeting. I'm just, I had enough. As much as you use Twitter, you don't tweet a whole lot. Not and I knew tweet. you were fired up yesterday. Well, they can only take their stick and slash at the bank back of my ankles so many times before I'm going to turn around and drop the gloves. And I'm you did. tired of it. Bravo Camp's still coming after yes, you. Yes, and Morehouse and yeah. all of them over there. Uh, the Cup's coming home to Ankeny. What should I have out of the Cup? Because it's like the Stanley Cup. Well, you got to have some Wilson, right? you got to have some Canadian beer yeah, out good, of there. A good call. Yeah. Really good call. And then maybe some cereal. <laughs> gonna eat some. Gonna eat my breakfast yeah. out of it one morning. I'm Bowl gonna, of chili. You maybe you like the, chili in the fall. In the fall, but yeah. I'm gonna tag them and make sure they see. Right. Gonna, maybe the know, rub it in a little bit. Opening night of hockey, you make a bowl of chili and eat it out of there. Yeah, take a picture a and send idea. it to them. That's a good idea. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. By the way, you're gonna save a little bit of time right before, as I think we're out thinking the Big Twelve. Oh yeah. I like we were out thinking the home run derby yesterday when we were trying to find you know Pete Alonso six and a half to one. Nah. Um, Pass. <laughs> I think we're all thinking the Big Twelve is that other team is. I really do. All right, and I've I'm convinced, at least myself, <laughs> that I'm right. That you got it right, and we'll share that uh, coming up before eleven o'clock. We will take a timeout. Um, come back with Dane Musatani from Minneapolis. But right now, it's time to go for the green on KXNO. You can win $1,000 right now by texting the keyword WIN to 200-200. That's WIN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Dane Musatani, we will head north to the uh, Twin Cities uh, at 11.05, we're going to talk recruiting with the Des Moines Register's Matthew Bain and then uh, one of the other regional teams at 11.30 as we take a look at two of the four NFL teams. Final off-season checkup with them before they head to camp, which is, what's the date today? 13th? Today is the 13th. I think it's two weeks from today. Like that. Two weeks from today, training camps around the NFL open. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KX and Owen 106. 1-800-BETS-OFF. Now, back to Middle and Condon 
1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. About uh, 10.35 on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We take you until noon. We'll take a look at the Bears coming up in about an hour from now. But to start our... Uh, look at uh, for the regional teams, our final check-in during the offseason with training camp about two weeks away. We start to the north of us with last year's third-place team uh, in the NFC North. 7-9 uh, and nine last year, Dane Muzatani joins the program from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. They keep him busy up there doing the Twins, the Wild. Oh, you wear a lot of hats, Dane Muzatani. We're grateful for you coming on. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So let's start with the Vikings. I'm sure we'll get a couple of Twins things in. It's hard to believe that we're coming to the out of the All-Star break and it's already, well, we'll get them next year mode. But um, After a four-game winning streak, they're 15 back. It's unbelievable. It's, it's disappointing <laughs> as heck. But we'll get to that in a second. Let's start with the Vikings, who, I don't know, Dave, maybe I'm too optimistic on this team. Um, I... With Cook and with Jefferson, and I think Irv Smith is poised to make a uh, have a a breakout season. I think Kurt Cousins shoulders too much blame um, in this in this offense. If the offensive line is takes a step forward, I think that this is above average offense that the Vikings will put out on the field this year. What about you? Yeah, I think the offense is going to be no problem. Um, granted, it starts with the offensive line. So you like what they did with Christian Darisaw bringing in a, a legit like mall or left tackle. I, I know they run a, a zone scheme, and I know Gary Kubiak has done that the past two years. Clint Kubiak most certainly will continue that zone scheme this year. So maybe you didn't need like a a guy who can just go bench press the other guy's you know <laughs> defensive end. But I think it's really good to have some Christian Darisaw as kind of a mix in. He's a bona fide left tackle. That's what they've drafted him as. That's what they've said he is. That would make me feel good as a Vikings fan to think, okay, we got a left tackle that we can build around. And then other guys who have shown flashes. You know, Brian O'Neill, he's great. He's an awesome right tackle. Garrett Bradbury, hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could do better than him at center. I think you could do worse than him at center. Ezra Cleveland showed some some promise at guard last year. I know people thought he might be a left tackle. Sure seems like he's going to be a guard moving forward. Um, But it starts in the trenches. But once you work your way out, if you get average to above average offensive line play, I think the offense itself is dynamic. Um, I think you're probably right about Kirk Cousins. I am very hard on him. Um, I think you got to win big games to be considered a bona fide elite quarterback. I don't think he is, mm-hmm. but I think he is someone who, with the weapons around him, can produce a winning football team and a, a very good football team, in my opinion. I mean, Kirk Cousins, he's extremely accurate. Um, that's going to bode well with the weapons you have on the outside with, with Justin Jefferson, who I think is going to be even better than he was as a rookie. And Adam Thielen, who I think, Jefferson's rise has you you forget that he is, is a guy who could I think he had 14 touchdowns last year um it was a 14 or 11 he's a red zone target he's a a good good receiver in this league you mentioned Dalvin Cook I, I, as good of a running back as there is in my mm-hmm. opinion yep. um because he can hit you from the running game obviously and you know he, he's a threat in the passing game there's just so many weapons and then you're right Irv Smith um the one weakness on this team is I think the Vikings don't have a number three receiver. 
But maybe that's okay because you have Irv Smith, who I think with Kyle Rudolph gone, that opens up like 50-something targets. Um, I think a lot of those are going to go to Irv Smith, and I think he's poised for a breakout year. So the defense was what struggled last year, but I think it makes sense that it struggled. You were missing half of it (laughs) because of injury. So if the offense can continue to progress and the defense can just get healthy, and and I think you're looking at a good football team. Um, I think playoffs. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but uh, we don't know what's going on in Green Bay. So I, 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 I like the Vikings to make a run to playoffs. Now, waiting the Aaron Rodgers, will he, won't he, continues uh, here as we get deeper into the summer. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond was drafted. I think a surprise to some people out there that the Vikings mm-hmm. went after Mond. I was incredibly intrigued by him in the draft process. I think there is plenty of upside there. We know that Cousins has got two years left on his contract, got an extra extension there through 2022. The game plan, obviously, Cousins the next two years, and then it turns into Mon's job. But if that doesn't happen, this turns out to be another disappointing year. How long is the leash for Kirk Cousins, and how quickly could you see Mond out there on the field if things do go south? I think if you're seeing Mond on the field, it means that the season yeah. went off the rails. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're seeing Kellen Mond if it's a good year. Um, so I think if Viking fans want to see Kellen Mond this year, you got to be okay with drafting really high in the draft because <laughs> I think Super Bowl window is kind of hard to say because I, I don't know if they're good enough. I don't know if Kirk's good enough. Um, but I certainly think they're a playoff team this year. I think they're talented enough. And I don't think they're a playoff team if Kellen Mond is leading the charge. Um, Kirk Cousins is better than him. Does Kellen Mond have a lot of upside? Yeah, he does. And I think that's why they went out and got him in third round. Um, I think it's the highest they've drafted a quarterback in, in quite some time. Um, but it's always, whenever a quarterback gets drafted, whether it's in the third round, the first round, the second round, the fourth round, um, you have people who want to see that quarterback. And that makes sense. I understand that. Like, he's someone we don't know. He's kind of a unicorn. Like, how good can he be? So there's going to be people who, anytime Kirk struggles, they're going to say, it's Kellen Mond time. It's not. <laughs> um <laughs> I think we got to pump the brakes on what Mond is. Could I think he could be someone who's really good and dynamic down the road. But Kirk Cousins is going to give you the best chance to do everything you want to do this year as far as winning football games, contending for the playoffs, perhaps making a run in the playoffs. If it's not Kirk Cousins under center, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you mentioned the defense and all of the injuries. Uh, Daniil Hunter didn't play last year. Michael Pierce opted out last year. So those are two pretty big chunks of those of the four starters on the defensive front. Sheldon Richardson comes back. Dalvin Tomlinson comes over from the Giants. Everson Griffin has made it known very clear. I mean, he reached out to the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, to see if he could pull some strings uh, to get him back. That's starting to take shape as, yeah, man, Maybe some age on there, but there's also some, I think it's a pretty good blend. All of a sudden, that defensive front, uh, with whether Griffin comes back or not, that's pretty stout in my opinion, Dane. Yeah, I like the defensive front, and that's why I think I always thought the Daniel Hunter saga was going to get solved, largely because like the Vikings saw what life without Daniel Hunter looks like, and it doesn't look very good. You don't press the quarterback. But with him back in the mix, with him playing this year, that's going to just generate pressure. He'll generate pressure by himself. 
Um, and, and that's something which the Vikings lacked last year. I think that's why their defense struggled. So just having Daniel Hunter back just makes the defensive line so much better. But you're right. Then you look at Michael Pierce didn't play last year. Michael Pierce was billed as like a yep. big name free agent signing last year. Doesn't play because of COVID. So you, you almost forget that he exists. And you get Daniel Hunter back, that's great. You almost signed Michael Pierce this offseason, if you will. So you signed Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson because we haven't seen Michael Pierce in the Vikings uniform. So you get those two guys, and then I think Sheldon Richardson, like, I don't think he's the dominant force he once was, but I think it's... If you heard his introductory press conference, like, last month, I think he understands that. Like, he's, I don't think Sheldon is coming in saying, I need to start. I think he's coming in saying... I feel comfortable in Zimmer's defense. I really like how he rotates the defensive line. I'm okay being part of this rotation. It doesn't have to be the Sheldon Richardson show, which I think is good. I think he can flourish in that role where you just say, go out there and get after the passer on on third down. I know he plays interior, but he generates a lot of pressure for an interior lineman. And if you look at some of the advanced metrics, like he lined up on the outside quite a bit last year, too. So he's not a defensive end, but he can play it sometimes. So even if you don't get Everson, um, certainly that'd be a good storyline. Um, I think Sheldon's going to fulfill some of those pass rushing roles that you're looking for. And we saw it in the Super Bowl with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you can generate pressure, you can destroy the other team. Yep. It's offense completely. So. Are the Vikings going to be the best pass rush in the league this year? No, but they're going to be much, much better than, than they were before, and that's just going to take a lot of first off the rest of the defense. Questions in the defensive backfield, biggest being Jeff Gladney. Will he or won't he play with the Vikings this year? A latest if you have anything on that front. Harry the Hitman, Harrison Smith, back for, what, his 30th season? Feels like he's playing with Joey Brown or back in the safety position. And then they take a flyer on Patrick Peterson. Really intrigued on that. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts overall on that backfield? Yeah, I... I don't know anything new about Jeff Gladney, but okay. we haven't heard anything new. That's to me, that's not a good sign. Like I don't think he's. I, I would be kind of surprised if Jeff Gladney was in a Vikings uniform this year. Um, just you look at the allegations and they're awesome. gross. Yep. Um, and and I think like you know, if you're the Vikings, you kind of have a responsibility to turn every stone and, and really take this seriously, and not just try and rush this guy back on the field because they're quote unquote allegations. Like, take this seriously, and I think that's what they're doing. I think that's why we haven't heard a lot about it. Um, but as we head into training camp here now two weeks away, and we don't have any clarity on the Jeff Gladney situation, that to me doesn't seem like he's the Vikings are planning for him to play this year. And then you look at just some of the things they did in OTAs in mandatory minicamp, bringing in every single cornerback under the sun, like just as like on a tryout. I think that was kind of tipping their hand that like we're preparing for a season without Jeff Gladney, maybe life without Jeff Gladney. I don't see it, but I don't think that's like, you look at the rest of the back, you mentioned the, the signing of Patrick Peterson. He's not the lockdown, go out there and take away the other team's best receiver that he once was, but he's exponentially better than I think anyone the Vikings had last year. So I think if people are hoping for, this all-pro Patrick Peterson that he was in the prime of his career. I don't think we're going to get that, but I think he's going to fill a very good role. He's going to fit in really well in Mike Zimmer's scheme, 
And he's still good. Like, he's still a good player. And I think that's something we need to remember. Then you look at, you know, I think Mac Alexander will play inside. I think Cam Dancer will play outside. He was good last year as a rookie. I think he'll look for him to take another big step forward this year. Rashad Breeland, he came in um, as a sign. Like, they've done a lot of things. When you look at what their what their cornerback situation looked like last year with a bunch of rookies and young guys who were kind of getting thrown into the fire, it's something that looked weird because Mike Zimmer doesn't typically like to play young corners. Well, he went out this offseason, signed Patrick Peterson as a veteran, Brashad Breeland, who's a veteran, who's won a Super Bowl at the Kansas City Chiefs, brought back Mac Alexander, and still has Cameron Dantzler. So it's more veteran-led with like the opportunity for some of these young guys to still perform. And then you got Harrison Smith, who I think he went on record on a podcast or something like last week and said he expects to be a Viking for life. I expect him to be a Viking for life. I couldn't see it. It would look weird if Harrison Smith was in anything but purple, but it would also, like, I get the vibe that he just wants to be here. He loves this team. He loves his city, his teammates. Give him the extension, whatever. I think one more extension will probably take him to the end of his career. So I think we'll see that at some point, too. Uh, Dan, we only have 30 seconds left, so we're not going to get any other uh, place in the Twin Cities we're concentrating on the Vikings, and that's fine. Uh, glad we are. Twin stink. Yeah, All right, Trent? That's your squad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, can they win 10 games? I mean, I, I, Green Bay's won 13 the last two years. There's still some, you know, is he or isn't he going to play? And um, that's Aaron Rodgers. I think he is going to be a Packer. But I think to get in the playoffs with the 17 game schedule, you're going to need to win double digits. Can they? I think so. I think you can go 10 and 7. I also, you look at what they did last year. They went 7 and 9 with a broken, depleted defense. Well, obviously a good offense, but I think you just look at this team and, and who they have coming back this year. Obviously, injuries can change things. We don't know how it's going to play out. Can they win two more games in a regular, in a normal schedule, and then that extra game they're going to have? I think so. I think they're three wins better than they were last year. So I think ten and seven seems good. I think ten and seven will get you into the playoffs. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking at ten ten wins with the Vikings. Dane Mazzatani, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Dane, thanks for doing this for us. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely, anytime. Thank you, Dane Mozatani from the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Can really like Dane. games. I do too. Eight and a half is their win total. I would take the over. I, I think I would. Too. I like this team. I think. Now I said the exact same thing last off season. The Packers are due for regression. That thirteen yeah. and three was a fake thirteen <laughs> and three, and they go thirteen and three again. Yeah. I do think though they're regressing. They're coming back. I don't see that team even with an extra game winning thirteen games again. I would put the Packers mm. more in that. 10 and 7 type of range. I with Aaron Rodgers. With Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Still some holes defensively. And I wonder what that locker room is going to be like. And is well, it over? If he walks back in? Right. How, they'll be fine. <laughs> will they? It's Aaron Rodgers, man. But even the most talented guys, you played with talented people. Yeah, I was always, I always played with talented people. I was never the talented person. And they could be a pain in the ass, and after a while, that well, I shouldn't. I don't. Not at that. I mean, right. This is a different level. It, yeah, kids and this is professional up. sports. Right. I get that, but there's got to be some hard Animosity, feelings in that locker. Do you yeah. think so? The receivers can't wait for him to come back. I don't know. He's MVP of the league. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish up the hour. I do have a strong opinion that we're overlooking the other. The, we're overthinking the Big 12. I got some odds to get to the championship game. In the Big 12? In the Big 12. So I'm going to see if this lines up here. 
with your theory you got? Because I know you've been digging deep on this. Well, I, I did a little homework last night. I like that. I do too. But was I was due? It's Miller and Condon, ten to eleven, fourteen sixty KX and one oh dot com. Five minutes before 11, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Final couple of minutes of hour number one. Uh, we'll save it for hour number two. Don't have enough time because I want to get you heavily involved in this so you can All poke right. holes in my theory. If there are holes to be poked in, which I don't believe there are. So you said you uh, tweeted something earlier today from Pro Football Focus. Mm-hmm. I didn't see this, so set it up for us. It was Pro Football Focus, their college wing, grading or ranking, if you will. All 130 anticipated starting quarterbacks mm-hmm. in college football. Was Rattler one? Uh, great question. I had it up there. Let me let me pull up the full list here. Yeah, I got it right here. So we go and at number one, I got to scroll all the way back because, well, we'll tell you why here in a moment. <laughs> number one on the list, it is Spencer Rattler. Number two, Sam Howell. Yeah. Uh, number three on the list is Derek King okay. from Miami. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel, who people love from Central Florida at four. And there's Michael Penix from Indiana. He's number five? Number five. His numbers at PFF are great. Because he makes plays up the field. Uh He's a big-time one. So that's who Iowa will see in week one. Quarterback they will see in week two. Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. checks in at number 17. There's actually a quarterback that they'll see in the non-conference ranked up front of Brock Purdy. That's Dustin Crum of Kent State, who Iowa plays in Week 3. And where do they have him ranked at? He's at number 12 Jeez. on these rankings. So, all right. So, you get to 17, Purdy. Yeah. I know Cyclone fans probably argue, oh, how can you have you know him behind Emory Jones of Florida? We don't know anything about him. Missouri's new quarterback. McKenzie Milton's ahead of him of Florida State's who's number 16. But overall, we know all these quarterbacks. So, I'm scrolling through when I see this list. <laughs> C.J. Stroud of Ohio State's at 20. By the end of the season, I'm going to guess he's going to be in the top 10 because he's an Ohio State quarterback. He's sure. got some dudes to throw to on top, top of it. Now, I like Bryce Young for Alabama. I think he's going to be fun to watch. He's a 22. But as I'm scrolling, all right, know some of these names. Deggy of West Virginia, he's a 27. All right, fair. Where's Ritter from Cincy? Because I really like him. Um, I might have scrolled past him. Graham Mertz at 26. We'll see. Do we get Illinois Graham Mertz or do we get the one we saw on the back side of the year? Uh, scrolling through here. So they got kind of long write up, so it takes a little longer to get through all of them. Cincinnati and Ritter. Not sure. I don't think he is in the top 10. He is not. Okay, interesting. And not in the top okay. 20 either. So when uh, once I scroll past him. But as I'm going through here, there's a couple of names I didn't even know, like the new Washington State quarterback, Jaden DeLara. Yeah, no idea. He's at 31. I guess I didn't see a whole lot of Washington State football last year when, when that one pops up. Tanner Morgan, we've talked a lot about uh-huh. him. He's at 36. So let's get to Iowa's starting quarterback. Well, he's got to be around 36, isn't he? I was anticipating he was certainly going to be in that range. Yep. In that range. Still a lot to be answered about him, but 50, maybe 60. And I get to the 50s. You know, Spencer Petrus. In the 60s. Did you think you'd gone too far and somehow missed him and went back? I I went to that point. So you get to Tier 4. This is what they call the average. These are quarterbacks 52 through 78. This is where I thought he would be. Average. Still doesn't show up. Go to Tier 5. 
Needs to improve more reps. All right, that's fair for Beatrice, right? Could fall in that, yeah. 79 through 102. Well, he's St- got to be in there. Still no Spencer Petrus. Pro Football Focus goes to tier number six. Needs significant improvement. And you get to number 112 of quarterbacks in college football, and that's where Spencer Petrus Out of Petrus 130. Out of 130, they have Spencer Petrus 112. Is that fair? No. Absolutely not. It's not. No offseason, first go around. Like I, I don't think he's a world beater for any means. Mm-hmm. This isn't me saying he's going to Canton <laughs> at one point. <laughs> but I think he's way better than this. I mean, that's not fair. 112. 112. Yeah, no, he'll he'll be better than that. There were some bad moments last year. Sure there were. But Brock Purdy threw the ball backwards to a kid from TCU, and he's 17. <laughs> that was the worst moment in college football last year for a quarterback. Spencer uh, Petras had his bad moments. Don't get me wrong. But 112, really? Well, you know what? Use it. Absolutely. Take that. That's bulletin board Absolutely. material. Hour number two, we're going to do a little recruiting with Matthew Bain from the Des Moines Register. He covers that after all. Uh, we look forward to that. And then one more of our regional teams and our look around this week of the four regional teams. The Bears at 1130. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.